Welcome to the Talking Machine Transportation Podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I am pleased to have with me today a repeat visitor and uh, one of my favorites, Matt Chenoweth, who is the Chief Engineer, uh, Chief Bridge Engineer at MDOT and um, has a, a bank of knowledge about all things related to building and maintaining bridges and is in close touch with his counterparts from various boards and committees that he serves on. Um, around the country and, and even the nation. So we're going to talk today about the perils of the falling ice on the Mackinac Bridge, um, why this seems to be an increasing phenomena and uh, you know what, what can be done about it. Uh, later, I'll be talking with James Lake, who is the MDOT Media Relations representative in the North region and has been dealing with a lot of the media questions about the Mackinac Bridge closures because of these, this ice falling and has done a, an outstanding job on Twitter, um, answering questions and explaining this. But first, Matt, thank you for taking time to be here. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me again. So talk first, if you could, um, just offer some basic explanation of what we're seeing on the Mackinac Bridge. And, you know, it goes on on other bridges, obviously, but why the ice melts and big chunks come crashing down. Yeah, so for the Mackinac Bridge, you have you have two main uh, I guess accumulators of ice, right? Just like on your house that collects snow or anything like that. So you have the towers, which have a lot of vertical surface. They also have a lot of horizontal surface. And then you also have the main cables. Now the main cables are circular and water will, you know, hit the cables and then it will run and then it will eventually freeze. And keep in mind, you know, the towers themselves, the top of the towers are 300 some feet above the deck level. So temperatures and wind are much different. Those conditions are much different than they are at deck level and then at the at the level of the straits. And so, you know, through through changes in temperature, you know, obviously water is going to fall. You're going to have humidity in the air. You're going to have snow uh, and that creates what's called ice accretion, which is a which is a big issue on long span bridges in general in cold climates. Um, we're dealing with it right now in the design of the Gordie Howe Bridge. There are many uh, Canadian long span bridges where they're considering retrofits for uh, ice mitigation. Uh, it's happening in Ohio. It's happening at the, you know, all the bridges in, in Manhattan that are managed by the New York, New Jersey Port Authority. And so you get these, you get this, this freezing uh, of the water turning into ice and then you know, right now, because we're trying, the state is trying to enter spring, uh, we are still going above and below, you know, 32 degrees on a regular basis. And as the elements of the bridge warm, uh, these these sheets of ice uh, come off. And, and this is something that we've been tracking for a number of years. Uh, this isn't the first year that it's happened. It's been happening uh, for a while. Uh, but typically what we see, especially up that far north, is once that area freezes, it pretty much stays frozen until spring. Um, but what we're seeing right now are these cycles of freeze-thaw, and uh, that's causing that's causing the ice to, to come off in large chunks. Yeah, so this is, you know, not unlike uh, the increased flooding, the, the deluges that we're seeing that are overwhelming our pump stations and closing freeways in Metro Detroit or the high water uh, lapping away at roads and our many shorelines. I mean, this is all 
part of a of a volatile climate and I guess people can debate whether they want, you know, whether the earth is warming, even though science says it is. Um, those those are definitely factors here. So what we have to do is is deal with the reality of that. And um, this isn't unique to Michigan. So there's speculation that it must be related to, you know, you mentioned the northern Michigan location and extreme cold and the winds in the straits. Uh, but you've talked to others in other states and provinces that have uh, wrestled with this too. And in fact, you mentioned Toledo. That's not a the, the big bridge that people might be familiar with um, on I-280 is a cable stay, similar design to the Gordie Howard National Bridge, not a suspension bridge like the Mackinac Bridge, but they've got issues they've had to mitigate too, right? That's correct. Yeah, from uh, early on when that bridge was opened, uh, the Veterans Memorial Skyway there in, uh, in Toledo, it's I-280 over the Maumee River, uh, they had instances where they had to close that bridge because of ice coming off of the, the stay cables and the tower. And uh, they put forth a, a study to look at ways that they can mitigate ice. And we did something similar years ago on Mackinac. We looked at a bunch of different things, sort of some industry practices, some innovative things that we could do. One of them was to, you know, try to heat the towers. Well, keep in mind those towers on the Mackinac Bridge, there's two of them, and each of them is the equivalent of a 30-story building. So think about the, the infrastructure that would be needed to just heat those towers just enough, you know, not 70 degrees, but just enough to prevent uh, ice from forming. Uh, there was discussion about running, you know, a small current through the towers. Uh, that has its own issues because stray current causes, uh, can cause corrosion. That one comes up a lot, Matt, as you probably know from all the armchair engineers. That one, like, why don't you just, you know, run some current through it? Yeah, so and that, that is that is plausible, and it's been done in the past on smaller scales. Like, for example, that's that's called cathodic protection. And what it means is you run a current through, and the current has to be strong enough to prevent the corrosion cell from forming. But when you have a bridge that is all steel, like the Mackinac Bridge, that current can go anywhere. And you can create a corrosion cell, uh, which is which is a huge risk, right? That's why we coat the bridge. That's why we paint the bridge is to protect it from corrosion. The other ice mitigation technique is how we shape the elements where water uh, pools. So, for example, uh, on Gordie Howe, the stay cables themselves, the sheathing that we're going to put on it has uh, corrugations and it's not perfectly circular so that when water hits, uh, it it descends faster than it would if it were circular, and then these corrugations break up. If there is going to be formations of ice, uh, these corrugations would break up the size, and it would result in smaller pieces of ice that would fall and go unnoticed. We looked at something like that for Mackinac for the main cables, but again, you have these very large round main cables with the secondary suspender cables coming off at regular intervals. And to put some sort of different shape on that, you know, some sort of sheathing with a different shape uh, just becomes a very, very uh, difficult and expensive endeavor. So there are things that we've looked into. It's not like we're just standing by and saying, well, it, it freezes, that's it. We've looked into certain things. It's just been, you know, somewhat cost prohibitive. So what do you hear from your, your counterparts? Um, have you talked to anybody that faces the similar issues with, you know, lack of alternatives. I mean, it's it's not like you can just put a sign up that says Mackinac Bridge closed, seek alternate route, you know, so. Yeah, so for example, for the for the, the New York, New Jersey Port Authority, 
they've just what I've explained, they, they've looked into um, different types of shapes uh, that can break up the ice uh, and stuff like that. And, and, you know, when you're in downtown Manhattan, you know, you can't, you can't afford to close a bridge either. So some of these things are very, uh, very much on the, on the cutting edge. They, they're, they're being tested and they're being tried. Uh, like I mentioned on the Gordie Howe, we're doing what's called a passive ice mitigation uh, technique, which is the shapes of things. But we also looked at, at active ice mitigation. And we looked at, you know, okay, what if we had chains or some sort of little uh, robots that could run up and down the stay cables and, um, and break up the ice or prevent ice from forming? We also looked at a system. We actually provisioned a system and tested it. Um, and we're not going to build it on the bridge, but we're going to uh, have the the bridge is going to be built such that this could be added later in the bridge's life, uh, where we put uh, rotational motors over the uh, at the ends of the cable stays, and it rotates the sheath at a rate of you know two or one or two feet per second um, in rainy and icy conditions to prevent any ice from forming. Again, something like that added significant cost to the project so it, it was we decided not to do it but the infrastructure will be there uh to you know if, if it's if wdba chooses to do it in the future is so, there a way to capitalize on drone technology uh well yeah there there, there could be jeff but when you're talking so on gordy how you know we're going to have uh 204 stay cables uh all at different angles and you know you could you'd have to have an army of drones out there and then what what could those drones do right do you put a, a cutting head on the drone to try to cut ice away and then is it possible that something could happen and you could damage the sheathing that protects the the, the stay cables there's a lot of technical details that would have to be worked out yeah that that that, that does sound risky <laughs> so when you talk about the costs you know um, MDOT officials obviously have a user delay cost model and folks at the Mackinac Bridge Authority certainly know the cost of delays, not to mention the frustration. So how do you balance that against the costs of solutions and the dangers of not closing the bridge? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to, you know, what is what is the true cost of something like this? So there's an initial cost to build it. There's an initial cost to, to do something. And anything that we do, Jeff, on, on the Mackinac Bridge, there's nothing that's going to be off the shelf. Everything is going to have to be custom designed, custom built for those elements on the bridge. So there's the initial cost to build it, but then now we've also added something else to the bridge that will affect and, and you know, use resources for life cycle maintenance. So now we're going to put a system on the bridge that mitigates ice. Uh, however, we're now going to have to maintain that system as well. So without running all of those costs, I couldn't tell you, you know, if there's a break even point in terms of loss of revenue from tolls. Um, but it, it, these are we're talking fairly significant costs and it, it is a big deal when when the bridge is closed. Uh, but from my recollection, I don't believe we had an issue where we had to close the bridge at all last year. We did a couple times the year before. So this seems to be, you know, a, a recurring issue, but not on like an annual basis. Well, and, you know, I'll be sure to post the photo in the show notes of the car that had ice crashed through its windshield a couple of years back. And if that doesn't convince anybody of the potential dangers, um, then yeah. we're probably never going to win that fight. So real quickly, um, let's touch since news broke this week on bridge bundling. Um, 
and you know there's a, another round uh, of bridges that have been announced just uh, give us a quick uh, update and overview of where things stand with that program sure so the pilot project which we've talked about before which is 19 bridges uh, that is currently under construction uh, we have three bridges with active construction going right now with another two that are going to start soon and uh, more starting throughout the summer with a plan to have all of those done uh, by November of this year. So the pilot project is going well. The, the local agencies that, uh, that own these bridges that we've been working with have been excellent to work with. Uh, the phase two portion, which is the $196 million in CRISA funds that was appropriated for, we focused on closed bridges throughout the state when you explain CRISA funds. I'm sorry, yeah. So CRISA funds are the uh, COVID relief funds that came from the federal government to all the states as part of uh, the CARES Act and as part of legislation to deal with COVID. And so a significant portion of that came to Michigan and we were appropriated 196 million for this phase two, we're calling it phase two of the bridge bundling which is dealing with closed bridges. Some of these bridges uh, have been closed for a while and there's no real public need, public use for them anymore. So we are working with local agencies to actually get those removed. And then the other focus is on load restricted bridges where uh, these bridges may affect, you know, the local economy or, you know, mobility in that area or access to emergency services. And with this program, we're thinking we can do probably another you know, 60 bridges uh, over the next three years. And so we're hoping by the end of this year, we'll start uh, getting a couple packages on the street for construction. So this uh, again is uh, just to remind people, this is MDOT offering some both engineering and contracting expertise to help local road agencies, uh, you know, repair and replace their bridges. It's uh, it, it creates economies of scale and creates efficiencies. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real collaborative effort between state and, and local officials. So, so far, so good. Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate you taking time to talk about that. And next, I'll be back with James Lake to talk about communicating on this bridge ice issue. Thanks, Jeff. Please stay tuned. We'll be back with more Talking Michigan Transportation right after this. The Michigan Department of Transportation reminds you that when a vehicle collides with another vehicle, person, or other object, it is a crash, not an accident. By reducing human error, we can prevent crashes and rebuild Michigan roads safely. Back again for our second segment, and as advertised, James Lake, who is the North Region Media Relations Rep for MDOT, uh, veteran at communicating about transportation issues, but nobody really, uh, you know, had the expertise to take on this relatively new phenomenon. When I say new, um, we're talking really something that's uh, within the last, you know, 25 years probably become an issue, but increasing frequency the the past few years. Um, James, Matt Chenoweth, the chief bridge engineer at MDOT, kind of explained the, the technical parts of this, you know, why it happens, why the ice forms and, and melts more often, where in a, a climate like northern Michigan, it used to just stay frozen basically from November to April. But right. you dealt with the, the, the challenges uh, when this first occurred on your watch a few years back and now off and on. 
uh, with trying to explain it to media and especially with trying to explain it to the, the Twitter universe. Uh, talk about what that's been like. Well, it's been it's been challenging, um, but it, it's certainly something that I'm sympathetic to. Um, I, I mean, no one, no one, including us, uh, likes to be stuck in traffic, uh, especially when there's no clear, uh, clear idea of how long you'll be stuck. And and so, um, as I, I mean, that's probably the more new phenomenon. Ice has been forming on the Mackinac Bridge, falling, resulting in closures. But now we have social media uh, where we can reach out to people and they can reach out to us uh, to, to talk about what's going on during these closures. And, and certainly during the last four that occurred, you know, the end of end of March and uh, beginning of April here, um, more and more, that's uh, how they're they're reaching out to us. That's the good and the bad of social media, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> so you. You probably you start all your your responses with kind of a Bill Clinton. I feel your pain. Is that that what you do? <laughs> well, either start them or, or end them like that. I, I, I mean, I was I was really trying to meet people uh, where they were coming from. Uh, certainly, people were coming to us uh, with with some frustration, some some anger about how the the closure was handled and how we were responding to people, and and so certainly. Uh, I, I was uh, responding with with sympathy, with uh, with information that we had, although although limited. Uh, and then others uh, were making light of the situation too. Uh, so I, I tried to respond in kind. Uh, we we got a lot of uh, <laughs> maybe uh, joking, not joking suggestions for how we might melt the ice, and uh, we rolled with that. Uh, I, I think had some laughs together, and and by and large. Uh, people were were pretty understanding when we shared information, particularly images, videos of what the falling ice looks like out by the towers when it hits that bridge deck. Uh, I think we got a lot more understanding of why we needed to close the bridge. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, you've heard my analogy. I equate it to sitting on the tarmac and wondering why the plane's not taking off. And um, for a long time, the airlines were not very good about updating you and letting you know what's going on and they've they've gotten better at it and it goes a long way it really takes down the temperature when people are just like okay now i know what's going why we're delayed and what they're trying to do to fix it so yes uh, unfortunately in these situations with falling ice uh, between the announcement of closure and the announcement of reopening there isn't a lot to share uh, we can't make accurate predictions as to how long that closure will last, so that's frustrating for people. Um, but we we did our best to share regular updates, uh, what what bridge staff were doing, um, sharing temperature information, what the winds were doing out there, uh, just confirming that ice was continuing to fall. And then uh, both both these last two closures, uh, this past Saturday and Sunday. Uh, bridge staff were out in fully loaded plow trucks uh, doing their best to shake the remaining ice loose from the cables. Just How effective is that? Well, uh, it depends on the day and it depends on the other conditions. When they did it on Saturday, they weren't seeing many results. Uh, Sunday, which ended up being a little bit warmer, maybe a little bit more sun, it seemed to be quite a bit more effective. So 
it's it's one tool, but it has to be supported by the weather conditions that they're seeing in the straits. So you just have to turn up the sun. Right, right. Yeah. No, I, I, I weren't able to do that this weekend. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. For the most part, people get it, but the people that are stuck, you know, they're the ones that, you know, they're they're probably not in the laughing mood. So that's those are the ones that you wish they could all be following the Twitter feed at least and, and getting at least that much information. There's only so much you can do on the message boards. And if you're not right next to one, you're not going to see that anyway. Um, what, do you, what do you think going forward, uh, you would advise people, you know, to just know maybe that certain times a year, you know, March and April, that this, this is a phenomena that could be occurring. Right. Um, well, we're going to we're going to do a better job of getting the word out ahead of time uh, to let people know of this possibility in case they weren't aware before. As you say, it's it's kind of late winter, early spring when we get those you know thaws during the daytime, refreezing at night that seem to result in these back to back closures. Um, but we're, we're putting together a video right now uh, that that shows more of the imagery of falling ice, uh, of the damage that's been done to vehicles over the years, caved in roofs, caved in windshields, uh, and then explaining uh, to, to people, you know, some of the circumstances uh, that go into these falling ice closures. So we can, we can show them that uh, about the same time every year, let them know that this is a possibility. We're also going to once once we're aware that ice is forming on those upper cables and tower components, uh, we're, we're going to start putting out a warning uh, after that happens so that people are aware that a falling ice closure, closure while not certain, is likely in the coming days. Kind of so, like the uh, conditions are right for a tornado. Right, right. yep. Uh, the, the warning versus watch uh, conditions. Uh, the conditions that are that are right for falling ice closure, and then people can make their their own decision as to whether they want to proceed and uh, run the risk of getting stuck, or you know maybe reschedule their plans if if they're they're flexible. Well, I should say too that with you know what's going on with the climate and with the the earth and the more volatile weather that we're seeing, that it isn't just March and April. It really this could occur just about any time between November and April. Yeah, those uh, those midwinter thaws, uh, because we have in the past several years had closures in January, closures in February, uh, so not exclusive to these spring months. So today's April 7th. How much ice is still up there? Uh, right now, I don't believe there's any or, or there isn't any, uh, you know, of significance. Um, and, and usually the, the amount of ice that results in a closure, we're talking about a thick coating somewhere between a quarter of an inch, half an inch or more uh, that, that when it comes down is of significant uh, weight and, and can damage vehicles. But we've got pictures of, of chunks of ice that, uh, you know, are, are as big as a, a loaf of bread. Um, and, and it's remarkable that they've survived that 300 foot plunge from the top of the towers down to the top of the deck, but they do. And, and I think we can imagine, I, like I told a couple of people on Twitter this last weekend, I wouldn't want a seven dollar or a seven pound bag of ice from the gas station to fall on my vehicle from any height, uh, let alone one of these uh, pieces of ice that could potentially weigh hundreds of pounds. 
Good, good analogy. Excellent. Well, thanks, James, for taking time to explain this and uh, for all your good work communicating with the media and other people, and uh, especially uh, on the Twitter feed over the weekend. Uh, I think it's uh, it's greatly appreciated and it, and it helps. My pleasure. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Doubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.